Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm here with my very special guest, Eric Holzapple from Colorado. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on today. Much appreciated. Awesome. I've listened to a couple of your podcasts. We're in for a treat today. Business background, educational background, mindfulness background, and an author. So, uh, Eric, why don't you kind of take us through your background before I jump into some of those topics? Well, you know, I, I guess I'd just give you a little bit of the historical story. I came out of... Uh, I grew up in Maine, but I came out of Colorado State University with an MBA in the early 80s and went to work and uh, went to work in real estate. And I was immediately successful. Uh, within a few years, I was a manager and then the CEO of a Australian subsidiary, a U.S. subsidiary of real estate firms. I was based in L.A. and ran offices in Denver, New Jersey, traveled to Western Canada, all over the place. And I was, you know, outwardly successful. I was really good at it. But uh, inwardly, I was dead. You know, I just uh, was overweight. I was stressed. I was single. Um, and I got a transfer by that group to Boston. They had a New York Stock Exchange company I had some trouble with, and I did a good job. And they said, would you go there and do that? So I I said, okay. And the good thing about that was it wasn't travel. So I stayed in one place for a little while. There were enough problems in town. And uh, I bought a scale. I hadn't been going on a scale for a long time. You know, but I knew I couldn't get my tie done and like my belt button, my top button wouldn't go. I had to get the belt over a loop, you know, and I wasn't giving up. But I got an apartment there, a nice apartment on the on the bay on Boston Harbor and bought a scale. I went and stepped on that thing. And I remember looking in the mirror. It was one of those aha moments. You know, I just looked at it and I'd been having some chest pains and whatnot. I looked and said, you got to make some changes, man. You are heavy or you're not going to be around very long. And I did. You know, at that point, I I did. I uh, stopped drinking for a bit. I I lost some weight. I started running again. I was a track guy. I hadn't run in five years, and somehow I stumbled on yoga. Uh, I don't not really sure how I did. It wasn't in studios back then. You know, I just started with a DVD, and that was like I'd been kind of disconnected from my body as an athlete. I'm a skier. I'm a golfer. I do like all this stuff, but uh, that was really great. And then. A, little, a year or two later, my uh, my older brother had been meditating. He's a poet, and my dad was a football coach, and they were like oil and water. Yeah, that's and quite I watched, a And I watched my brother come back to the family and then open up to my dad after about 10 years, and then he opened it. You know, it was like I got my family back, and it was like the first time I saw one person change and the whole world change. He said, you want to try it? So I did, and uh, it was uh, – you know, it just I saw immediate results with it, mm. and I I I less stress. I was nicer to be around. I just you know I slept better. A lot of things. So I I started a daily practice of yoga and meditation, twenty five plus years ago, and I've been I've been doing it. And uh, for years though, I was a closet meditator. You know, I didn't come out. I didn't talk about it. Like I didn't get on podcasts. We didn't have them. But anyway, I didn't talk about it. I just kept, wasn't quite as vogue back com- then. Yeah, can be you know it can be completely private. In a lot of ways, it's not in vogue now. You know, it's still not a cultural. It's still more more culture against it than there is for it. It's coming, and I think it's a needed shift. But 
point is, you know, it can be completely private. Anyway, later on, I, I ended up at that time too, going back and going to school and get a PhD in economics so I could teach and it was working on purpose in my life and and uh, started my business in Colorado after that, went on my own. But one by one over the years, some people came up and wanted, you know, talk to me and whatnot. And I would just share with them a little bit privately what I was doing when they were struggling. And before I knew it, we started a seed group at the company and, you know, a monthly thing. We'd get together, read a book and and share practice and get to know each other a little bit. Before I knew it, the room was full. Uh, company changed the vision statement to mindfully creating community. And we're, you know, we're a small company in Northern Colorado. We used to do some big projects, big shopping centers, and and we're, we're fairly big in the region. And everybody's on nonprofit boards and making a difference. And uh, in addition to making money and have permission to put their families first. Uh, and it's just been an awesome ride. So I started a nonprofit about five, six years ago and launched. And now I've been training uh, others in mindful leadership, how you can, you know, you don't have to just do it in the morning or at night. Mindfulness is something you can do all day long if you, you know, and you don't have, nobody has to know you're doing it. It's, a, it's an internal shift. Right. And uh, and then this last year, I published a book called Profit with Presence, The 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership to just try to shift the business conversation. I just think business, I love business and I, I really think it can make a bigger difference than we think we can make. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's what I want to talk to you about. Tell us about, and I see it behind you uh, in the picture for those of you watching the video or will watch the video. Uh, tell us about some of the principles you teach in Profit with Presence. Yeah, you know, the, the big biggest overalling, overall things, you know, is a lot of in the mindfulness community, you kind of, you know, I was stuck for a lot of years in mindfulness where it, it seemed like everything I read from the Eastern traditions was just you got to renounce all your possessions and go sit on a hill somewhere and, and, uh, you know, become enlightened. And, and I, I was stuck. I'm not doing that. You know, I didn't expressly say it, but I just know I was stuck. I said, that's, that's somehow. And on the other side, in the business community, they think mindfulness is kind of woo woo. And I say, you know, what's woo-woo is, you know, our, we're divided, we're distracted, we can't make progress in key areas. That's woo-woo to me. You know, mindfulness is focus in a business sense, at least. There's a lot of other aspects to it. But if you wanted to boil it down to one word. But so I, I wrote a book just saying, no, you can you can meld these two concepts. You know, it's uh, it's totally uh, applicable to a business community. I reject the proposition that the purpose of business is different than the purpose of life. You know, uh, it's got, they have to be aligned. And so a couple of the pillars are to be present and practice mindfulness. Anything that you do requires a practice. So it's be, you know, in the moment, practice mindfulness. Identify your purpose in life. I just think so many of us have adopted society or culture's purpose, you know, which is mostly just get the best job you can and make the most money you can and get the most toys you can and, <laughs> and those things. Uh and so I think we, it takes some time to really look at ourselves and say, no, that's all right. But what's important to me? None of it's bad. But what what do I want to? What do I want in my life? What's my purpose? What gets me out of bed? Yeah. And then uh, and the third pillar would be the first three are like the foundational pillars of the twelve. Would be find clarity, which is you know mindfulness, presence, purpose. <clears throat> Create vision, intention, commitment, and habits. So vision is, you know, just from my own self, from clear, from a clear space, what's my vision of my life? What do I want to see? How do I want to, how do I want my obituary to read? You know, what do I want to see while I'm on this planet? What do I want to do? What do I want to accomplish? 
Intention is what, what moves things at the subatomic level. You know, what really moves things? Not like just by accident or whatever, but when I intentionally intend something, I move things. There's an energy that you can't see, but you can feel that moves things. And then commitment and habits go hand in hand. I make commitments, but if those commitments are inconsistent with the habits that I have, it's very hard to maintain those. So I need to work hard to change my habits, give up some of the old habits and reshape my habits so that they're consistent with my commitments. So when I fall off my commitments, my habits got me. Some 95% of what we do is just habitual. <clears throat> and when I fall off my habits, you know, I got the the, the uh, COVID or I got the vacation or something, I fall off a little bit, my commitment gets me back on the horse. So it's really getting those things aligned. And then I got a real shot at, uh, you know, creating a life of intention and really uh, having a purposeful life and, and a soulful life on, on this planet while I'm here. So the, the other nine are more or less mindset uh, mindset pillars that fall on that foundation of those three. Yeah, you and I are um, like believers. I also write a book when I wrote a book when I retired called Live Your Purpose. And um, awesome. the last couple of chapters are on how to stay on purpose is about developing the right habits, is about uh, one of those habits is mindfulness. I'm more of a novice on mindfulness is yeah. one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. But on purpose and intention, I am 100% with you and committed in that boat with you. So uh, thank you for uh, your reinforcement on those important practices. You're welcome. There's a good discussion going on about willpower versus habits and the importance of you know willpower is fleeting as we all know right so yeah. the the commitment and then the habits behind it you want to comment a little bit more about that on developing how do you develop those good habits yeah i think that you develop them a little bit at a time mm. you know i think what we have what happens to us over and over again like just take meditation for instance can't tell you how many people go you know they sit down they try to do 10 15 20 minutes and they just get discouraged or, you know, try to do a, a a new routine. You go an hour a day, you know, straight off of the boat. I say, no, we, we start people with two minutes of meditation, you know, a 10 minute routine to get started. Once you do that, then you can expand it to 12, 14, you know, three minutes of meditation, four or five. But for a number of reasons, well, the mind is really busy and we meditation is mostly noticing that. You know, and noticing a little separation between our thoughts and and other consciousness, and and uh, having a noticer that notices things, it just starts noticing that. Um, so I I think the the key to habits in my is is first you got to have an intention and commitments, but to start small and be as consistent as possible, and usually that means daily. As much if you miss a day, you know, don't use that as an excuse not to do it anymore. Just do it the next day. But, yep. you know, the more you can do it, the more consistent you can do it and fit it within your life. You know, we just sometimes we do so, so extreme and start so much that it is just not doable. But if we build a gradual, <laughs> a gradual practice, we start seeing the results. We start wanting to do it. It naturally extends. 100 percent. And there's good research behind, as you well know. And maybe some of our listeners do. Um, most of our listeners, by the way, are either entrepreneurs or business executives. And um, that idea of written intention, and I'll add the word written, lots of yeah. research behind how important that is. And then to your point, you know, another way to express it is micro goals. Start small. By small things, 
great things can come to pass. Otherwise, we fire up that limbic and we get flighty and fearful and well, that's too big a commitment. And you know, so and you build and you build momentum. I mean, everything in yeah. life is it's gone from momentum, you know, yeah. and you have to build it. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah, well said. Love it. Okay, um, you run a nonprofit. And you've talked about, I've, I've seen a couple of the other podcasts. I love your uh, insight on what I call service or philanthropy or doing nonprofit work on how that's a great business strategy. That's well, it, there's a number of things. First of all, it's gratitude in action, right? And the, the research on gratitude is irrefutable. I mean, that's a low-hanging fruit if you're looking at, at making some positive change in your life to so practice gratitude. So service is gratitude in action. It's the right thing to do. Without getting too woo-woo, it sets karma. It sets, you know, it sets your intention, sets such a you know positive energy out and into the world. And then from a business context, you know, first of all, you you, you do it to do it. You do it because it's the right thing to do. But you meet other leaders, you meet the right kind of leaders, you re- meet givers out there, you meet other people trying to do the right things in the community. Most of our businesses are no better than the communities that, that they're in. So it makes a lot of sense from that thing to make a strong, strong foundation. The other thing is I just found that life works at 90 degree angles, you know, you know, like uh, the uh, bees go in to make honey, you know, they go into, they go in and to get the honey to, to uh, they go in the flower to get things to make honey. 90 degree angle is they pollinate other flowers, you know, pollinate the, you know, pollinates the flowers of the world or the, the, uh, Sun pulls the earth towards it, but the earth doesn't crash into it. It goes around it at 90 degree. See, business isn't isn't much different than that. If I'm in a nonprofit meeting with you and we're generally trying to build a house for habitat or fill the food bank or do something else, and all of a sudden you say to me, you know, Eric, so-and-so is coming to town. Do you have any idea where they might find? It just happens. Hmm. You know, I've had even uh, – I was uh, chair of the EDC, Economic Development Corp. here one time, and one of, there's a broker, real estate broker named Rolf Waldo came up to me and said, hey, Eric, um, I live in a little town called Loveland, just north of us is Fort Collins, said, Eric, you know, I love what you do. I love what you've done with the university. And, you know, I know you developed a shopping center down there in Loveland. North Fort Collins needs somebody to do that. You know, would you go talk to uh, Ron Lotzheiser up there and have lunch with him and, and see what you well, I had lunch with him? Five years later, we developed a major shopping center there. And you and met it was, him during a, a service project or a totally, totally, habitat? totally. Yeah. You know, it was just that I was in there. We got to know each other in the trenches of trying to help something else. You really see what somebody's medal is, <clears throat> and they're just stronger relationships. You get to trust people, and that's just how things happen. You know, what do you need with this? And it's uh, just, it's just so much better than cold calling. <laughs> so there's, <laughs> you know, it's it's a warm call. Yeah. And you're getting yourself out in the community. You're doing the right thing. You're making a difference. And you're meeting people. You're meeting, and you're not just meeting anybody. You're meeting other givers, you know? So I I, I found it to be maybe the, the secret weapon in, in business development. Ooh, I love it. Love secret weapon. You heard it here. A hack. So how do we move from woo-woo? Like I, that, I, I, I'm like you. I don't want it to be woo-woo. It's not woo-woo. It's, yeah. it's it's real life. We have to be conscious of our thoughts. We have to, it, gratitude is a great strategy. Kindness, service is a great strategy. How do we move all this from to mainstream if it's not there yet? Although it is gaining popularity. Any any thoughts on how we uh, 
sensitize or instruct or teach people how to take it from woo into the mainstream? You know, the, fir- the first thing I advise people is, is if when you're first starting your practice, don't, you know, have it private. Because the last thing I need is, you know, to have a board member or someone else, you know, tell me it's stupid, you know, and I'm not really set in my practice. I mean, you could say anything to me right now after my extension, it wouldn't knock me off because I know the results. I'm so confident in it. But I know a lot of people when they get started and they're not quite sure and they've seen it and they haven't really done it yet, if they share too early, it -hmm. can be counterproductive. So I I usually say a year or so at least until you get in your practice that you really know that even if somebody laughed at you or, you know, (laughs) whatever they said, that it wasn't going to bother you. And then when you start sharing, you share, you know, you share closely. You share with someone that you, you know, you trust a little bit and you know it and, you know, you're having a coffee and it's, you know, it's a nice share and you do it gradually. As far as moving from, we we need the top, we need executives, we need CEOs to, you know, start taking it on and, and uh, doing practice. We don't need them all to stand to the top of the hill and yell, but we need them to practice these principles. We need them to really uh, practice mindfulness because the politicians and the lobbyists aren't going to get us out of this. I don't see it. I think it's the business community in the end who's going to say, hey, enough nonsense. You know, we don't care. We're left or right. Just move this baby, would you? We need something that's predictable and, you know, that we can move. So I, I don't know. But, yeah, well, um, so I, I don't know my, you know, I, reason I wrote the book was just that, how do we move do it is, you know, how I'm not a politician. I'm not a podcaster. I said, you know, what can I, I'm a business guy. I, I love business. Capitalism, I think is the greatest system in the world, but it needs consciousness. It needs mindfulness so that we well give said. back where we can. Well it said. doesn't work if five people end up with all the money, you know, yeah. it's not going to work. It has to be democratic and it has to be, uh, you know, conscious that people, when you can serve, serve. And somebody needs something, you can help them, help them. Yeah. That's how I think it works. And I think that's a consciousness raising. And it's happening. I just hope, you know, the question is, is it going to hear here, here fast enough? Yeah. Yeah. For example, who taught me about it originally, and I never picked it up right away, was a CEO in Vancouver named Gary Lennett that runs a doer performance apparel, the most comfortable pants in the world. And he says, Rick, you got to try this. You got to connect, slow down, especially when you're getting revved up inside because of all your busyness and activity or setbacks or whatever it might be and running a consulting company. And um, I never, I've not done a seven-day retreat or anything like that, but I, I do simple Calm, C-A-L-M app yeah. for, for 10 right. minutes every morning. Or like you say, sometimes during the middle of the day when I'm all revved up from an emotional meeting, just to calm myself up and to connect up again and to get present. And um, I'm, I'm sure I'm still in the novice category, but I find right. benefits as well, uh, just through those simple 10 minute practices. You know, and a mindful walk can be, yeah. you know, the, especially during the day at lunchtime, I try to take a little walk around the building before I get started again without my phone, you know, yeah. just without my phone, just take a look and just, you know, notice the trees. And we're so divorced from nature yeah. anymore, most of us in the professional world. And that's part of the issue is, you know, for na- nature runs pretty slow. Yeah. But technology doesn't, you know, our, our life's internet, the internet doesn't. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and some of the benefits, right, are if you're a leader in an organization or not just for yourself. And 
and centering yourself and calming yourself, so to speak, getting conscious, but you're better for your employees, right? You're not overreacting. Well, you're, you're more present to listen, if you will. Uh, so there's listening's huge, huge, huge well. piece of it. And right? focus. How many meetings do you walk into that are, you know, twice as long as they need to be with everybody's laptop open or phone on and it's just nobody's focus? I mean, they'd be half or a third as much if we could just, you know, focus. I, I, I say we can move the world in a couple hours a day if you're focused. But with everything going on all the time, all at once, I mean, you can't really focus on any of it. So we have to be able to focus on one thing to exclude others. And then the real gift is, I say it's, if you can learn it at work, then you learn to leave it at work and turn that focus to your yeah. family when you get home. Yeah. Because it's also no good if all of you're at home all the time and you keep getting drawn back into it. You're never really present at home because your phone's buzzing all night and you're listening to it. So that's the other piece to it, to be, yeah. you know, it's it, be able to focus on what you're doing at the time and then turn it off, focus on the next thing. Yep. We can multitask. It's proven. I mean, I can do a lot of different things, but I can't focus on them. They're, you know, they're autonomous. They're here, there, everywhere. So, and particularly people, relationships want focus. You know, if you want to really make a relationship, you got to pay attention to them. Can't be distracted or somewhere else or, yeah. 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 And I love your connection to uh, being better at our home roles as well. um, Because that's why we, that's why we work, right? Yep. Yep. I love it. And I, I can tell you're a, a real practitioner here. And I love the challenge you're giving and invitation to business lead the way, not government, not business lead the way on these practices and, and we'll be more successful. And business moves the world, man. You know, right business on. moves the world. And uh, hey, how about remote work? Uh, that's a big thing the last couple of years, as we all know. How, how do some of these practices help with remote work? I think it helps. First of all, it's virtual. You know, <laughs> meditation awareness is, is pretty virtual. But, and I think being together is better than remote. But I think you can set up a culture that's that everyone doesn't have. You know, when someone gets into a mindfulness culture, it's sticky. They don't, they're not going to want to leave it because it's so rare. Uh, and also, I think you have to take acknowledgement and, and notice when you're actually connecting with someone that's remote and not. Now, it's going to take more effort and remote work. We love the office because it's command and control. I can walk down the hall, know what people are doing, you know, bang on the door or whatever. Remote And remote work won't work for everybody, but it's going to take maybe less reports and more reaching out and those kind of things. But also having real awareness about are you really connected with somebody? Mm-hmm. Even though they're not in the office, and that takes that takes a little bit, but and forming relationships, and I and I'm not saying it replaces face to face because I don't think there's any replacement for it. Yeah. But remote work is a is a fact. It's here. Reality. Yep. You know. So how do you make? I think if you if you have a mindful culture, service oriented culture, people like that. You know, and they're not going to leave just for the next you know a couple dollar raise now a lot of money they probably will but um and that connection that you get with people i think is oh, is something right. that ho- will hope you at least get a conversation before you lose somebody retention is such a big issue today and building a sticky culture is a huge issue because it's costly 
we're losing people for $2 an hour or, you know, whatever yeah. it might be. So you've given us two tips today around how to make it sticky. The one is the service. It's very attractive to people that it's. Oh, they want to know they're making a difference. Right. People want to feel like their company's making a difference. Absolutely. And not just Apple and the latest technology, but any company can make a difference in the world. Totally. Service. And yeah. then mindfulness makes a sticky culture. People are present. People, you feel listened to. You feel connected to, whether it's remote or face-to-face. Yeah, I love it. Uh, we the, we can build a little, uh, and I'm assuming that's what the book's about, right? How do we build business yeah. excellence through these, Absolutely. these principles? Awesome. Yeah, and, and it starts with ourselves. Totally. You know? You can't. Not out there somewhere. It's in here. Yeah. Starts here. Can affect everybody. Yeah, Eric, love it. Uh, want people to go get the book. Tell people where they can get the book and find more about you, website, sure. email. What do you want to share? Sure. Profit with Presence, The 12 Pillars of Mindful Leadership. It's available on our website, which is livinginthegap, spelled out, .org. Anything, there's free intros, how to get started as book lists and you know, uh, introductory, 21-day free introductory program, 10 minutes a day, sent your email, those kind of things there on the website. And the book's also on Amazon. Under profit with presence. Awesome. And on the website, if people want to uh, visit with you and and uh, talk Just to you, send more. us send us send us a note. We'd love to hear okay. from you. We run a twelve month uh, mindful leadership program every year. Nine months. Sorry, we'll have another one starting in the spring. Okay. Um, Tell me about that. What does that look like? You know, that's where the book came from. Really, it was uh, it was a it was a uh, you know a workbook a binder that was we took people through and then that. And in the 12 pillars, and then it ended up I wrote the book from that binder. But it's basically starting small, that's why it's over a long period of time. You know, we take people over six months, get them up to 10 minutes of meditation, you know, and and we'll we'll meditate with them 20 by the end. Most people, a lot of people stick right at that 10 minute mark. Some people go up, some don't, but we try to get them there. Really, it's we try to get them to have a habit. And there's a lot of awareness tools, you get to set a new vision uh you know create a vision board and then write about it and then we work with you on how to implement it what are your saboteurs you know what's how what's holding you back those kind of things we do a lot of one-on-one coaching with it awesome try to help you really really get a habit and make a difference uh and really we we think uh have service be part of your career you know there's no reason you can't be happy at work yeah any, uh, I can't, I can't let you go without a comment about real estate market, either commercial, residential. Where's it going in the U.S.? Uh, what, what's your view? Where, you know, I came in with interest rates were 22 percent, prime rates, mortgage rates were four to fourteen percent. I remember it, and uh, you know, I've seen it was just it was where we are now, back around two thousand. Uh, so it'll, it'll adjust. It's taken taken a little time to adjust. I think you want to be careful, you know. Um, but it, there's always, there's always a place. There's always people buying and selling, but, uh, just be, just be prudent, run your numbers. And, and, uh, there's still opportunities out there. They're, they're a little, they're a little, uh, less because so many people don't want to leave a good mortgage right now. Right. Right. But, but, uh, market still seems to be really, really strong in our area. You know, Is that right? yeah, good. it does. Yeah, Eric, um, any other words of advice to uh, business leaders uh, as we uh, say goodbye? I'd say, yeah, get started on something, you know, get, get started some sort of practice. Doesn't have to be meditation, but someplace to somehow to be more present uh, in your life. 
start small and be as consistent as you can be, you know, and have that intention with a, with a goal in mind. And as you, as you get more time, you'll open up and do more. So, yeah. but get started. Yeah. I hope the listeners uh, will get on your website, livinginthegap.org and contact you, find out more about your programs, your book, et cetera, et cetera. I really appreciate you being a guest today. Thanks so Thanks much. For, Thanks for having me on.